There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, and a big welcome again to yet another edition of the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. We're officially eight years old now, uh, which is incredible. So uh, we must be doing something right. And thank you, all of you, for uh, listening to the show and uh, and just really appreciate it. I'm, I'm astonished that so many people listen to this show, and I'm very, very grateful. And I, I assume that's because the show is adding you adding value. I think with the show last week, we had um, well over a thousand listens to the show within within just a few hours before the day was up. And uh, and that is just uh, amazing. So thank you very much. And uh, I've got another amazing guest for you uh, this week. We've got Maria Burke. We're going to talk about new world engagement. Um, but before we do that, I'd like to say a huge thank you to my guest last week, to um, Esther Wojcicki. Um, Esther, I don't know, I thought it was an amazing uh, conversation last week around Esther's story. Yeah, I don't know if you had the chance to listen to this, but um, Esther um, lost a, a young brother who was only 18 months when she was she was a child, and she came from an immigrant family, a Russian family, who didn't really believe in education. But she took it on herself um, to become educated, went on to uh, an amazing levels of education, uh, and um, and as a consequence, she became the mother of three incredible daughters. Um, including the CEO of YouTube and the founder of 23andMe, and has written this amazing book on raising successful people. And I was really all ears when I listened to that last week and, and inter- interviewed her last week because um, I have young boys, they're 9 and 13, and I'm sure many of you have children as well. And there were just some real gems in there about how to really build great collaboration and build very rounded, very, very kind and successful uh, kids. So if that's of interest to you, do listen to the show. And uh, if it's of interest to your friends and, and family, and do, do forward the, the details as well. So today we're going to talk about new world engagement. And the world is ever-changing. And it's just become so fast-paced, hasn't it? And we, we talk a lot on the show about technology and how it's become very chaotic. And, and talking with my guest last week, um, she was, so this week, sorry, Maria, in our, in our planning, I was talking to her last week, we were talking about burnout, and she was explaining to me that it's about to be officially recognized as disease. And, and you know, if you listen to this show, that I love uh, this topic of engagement. I'm just so personally passionate about it, and it's many facets, and I believe that workplaces should be tremendous places to work, and it's completely not a no-brainer. It's a win-win if you can create these amazing environments that people love to be a part of, then why would they want to be anywhere else? And the results absolutely speak for themselves. And when Maria and I connected, um, I thought she had a really valuable and, and unique perspective on this with the, the types of uh, companies she works with. And, and there were some things she started to talk about that I'd not really thought of before. And I just thought it would be brilliant to have her on the show. She's the founder of Let's Get Healthy. It's a multi-award winning company, which was established over 15 years ago. And her teams work across Europe, and they deliver some really innovative and unique health and well-being programs to some amazing clients like Asda and Virgin Media, Sky, Travis Perkins, Co-op, William Hill. Um, they've raised over 50000 for charity as well, so they've got a, a real good um, heart. 
Now, Maria has a fascinating background. She competed at a senior level in eventing, that's uh, horses and hockey, and represented a country at Humble. Uh, and she sort of took her interest in this uh, this area and being both physically active and focused and went on initially to have a, a very uh, successful um, uh, career in the world of financial services. And she worked throughout Europe, India, America. She was uh, chief operating officer at Citigroup for Europe. She worked at Marks and Spencer's, the customer service director. And uh, prior to that, uh, had an amazing inspirational um, platform in working for the founder of Direct Line. Um, as an organization called Privilege. He founded many other businesses, so Peter Wood. So we'll talk a little bit about some of the things that she learned from him. Uh, so as I mentioned, she's passionate about health and well-being, uh, and therefore we're going to talk about building these highly engaged organizations and building engagement within this very sophisticated and chaotic new world. So a huge welcome to my guest, Maria Burke. Hello. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome. Now, I like to ask people initially whereabouts they're they're sort of calling from because we have guests on this show from all all over the world and uh tell us just where where you're from and uh where where are we talking to you from today so i'm based in the uk um in the north yorkshire area um my history is i'm actually uh, irish so i've lived in the uk all of my life really my mum and dad are from ireland and came over in the 60s um, and I've literally now spent a lot of my time, I'd say 50% of the time UK is based and then sort of traveling, meeting some of our international clients that we work with, having fun. Awesome. And you, you had um, a fascinating background because your, your father was a national hunt jockey and he trained racehorses. So tell us a little bit about that, that life you know, growing up for you and that environment and, you know, and how, if it did, how it influenced your work and thinking today. Oh, it shaped me, Chris. I mean, um, you learn to wake up on a morning early <laughs> when you're um, definitely surrounded by animals um, and racehorses. But yeah, I mean, my entire childhood um, was in the world of elite sport. You know, that's what horse racing is. Um, so my father, you know, very focused man on his sport, um, very focused obviously on nutrition and fitness, which is obviously the world I've kind of come into with health and well-being. Um, but the latter part of his career was obviously training racehorses. So working in yards um, was just teams that just brilliantly work as a team and turn out these amazing, incredible racehorses. Um, and without a shadow of a doubt, those years shaped how I kind of worked and operated in the um, corporate world. Um, I think anyone who's worked in sort of racing you all have a common goal you have a common language certainly national hunt racing you know I was brought up with watching my dad be in hospital quite a lot as well as he was ah. won a lot of races he did fall off a lot he won't like me saying that but he did so you learn to be you know you, you learn to be resilient because you had to go and visit your parents you know in hospital and my mum was a teacher um so I think Living in that environment, with my dad being a trainer, you learn to meet people at all levels, celebrities owning racehorses. You know, we had yard staff who'd live with us, you know, so we'd have people moving into the area and staying with us. So I think it taught me to operate at all levels, learn lots about nutrition and fitness, <laughs> be resilient because, you know, anything in sport, you have good days and you have bad days. Um I learned to love high heels because you're surrounded by a lot of people who are short. So <laughs> I always wanted to be tall. <laughs> so, um, so um, but yeah, definitely a brilliant life 
as a child, you know, out in the outdoors a lot of the time, um, but industrious, hardworking, um, at times very cruel and at times just the most best thing you could ever get involved in. And now what's brilliant is Let's Get Healthy. We actually design um, and deliver health and wellbeing programs for large um, racehorse trainers in the UK and Ireland. So I'm just delighted now it's gone full circle, you know, which is just a, a joy. It's just brilliant to be able to give back to something that helped my family have a lovely career and, you know, a lovely way of life. How amazing. What a, and it's, it's amazing, isn't it, how sometimes you look back on your life a little bit later on and everything, the jigsaw pieces sort of come together, don't they? Um, if you find yeah. sort of those things you maybe thought you might not revisit, but they all, they all they can come back and suddenly your work seems to make sense. Absolutely. I think you just you get um, you get clarity of what brings you happy, makes you happy, you know, mm. and actually me going back into the yards now, seeing it, you know, so much more sophisticated when, you know, my dad was running a yard or as a jockey, you know, um, and just seeing the how they've changed as an organisation and the sector. Um, you know, we talk about a fast paced world. I think sport is so different now for any sport than what it was sort of 20, 30 years ago. So as well as businesses changing, I think that just the change in every way of life is immense. Mm. You had some, you know, you went on and you had some uh, you know, great success, not, not just in, you know, horses, but you went on to, uh, you know, for example, represent your country at Humble. How did that come about? And, uh, and what did you again learn from, uh, from being part of a, a handball team at a national level? It, do you know what? I think having an elite sportsman as a father, you naturally um, gravitate in your working life. I did anyway to join teams or be part of a team. You know, I think because I was brought up in teams, you, you naturally gravitate to teams. Mm. So, yeah, so when I first joined a bank um, straight from college, um, I met someone who was playing handball, which was a relatively unknown sport, um, massive in Europe, but not very well known in the UK. And um, it was just brilliant because it was girls from every country, basically in Europe, um, came together and there was a league in the UK. And um, I just happened to just land on a brilliant team. Um, and we it's, it's just the same as working life. You know, it doesn't matter which country you work from. When you're on that um, pitch playing handball, you all speak the same language. Um, didn't matter where in the world we came from. We had to get the ball in the back of that net and uh, support each other. And we all worked full time. Um, you know, we we're all very um, ambitious in our careers, but also ambitious, you know, in what we wanted to achieve for the team. So I actually travelled the world playing handball. Yeah, um, yeah and, and do you know what? I think um, you learn, particularly now in health and well-being, you learn to work really hard and actually fit all your training in and all your matches and you travel abroad um, and your family life. And I think you set your family up to allow you to do that sport and that team. And I think particularly women, you know, a lot of women had children and came back, you know, to the team um, brilliant it was absolutely brilliant and it was something I could outachieve my father on so <laughs> <laughs> he never played handball so I could be better at that than one thing <laughs> <laughs> I hope he was hopefully he was proud I'm sure he was he's very proud good yeah he should be so you so you um 
you then, I guess, that, that love for sort of teams, you moved into a, a corporate career, which is which is interesting. You, you ended up working for some amazing businesses and you had a, a an amazing mentor in Sir Peter Wood. Uh, t- you know, how did you end up working for Sir Peter Wood? Maybe tell us a little bit about who he is and, you know, maybe what you learned from him, because I know that was a real key foundation for you in in uh, in, in, in your business life, the way you do things today. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I've always gravitated to work with large teams, whether I was managing them myself or now at Let's Get Healthy, working with companies with large teams. I think that definitely is informed from my childhood. And so Peter Wood was the entrepreneur who founded Direct Line. So um, many moons ago, um, people to ensure their cars or homes would go into a broker you know on a high street and he kind of revolutionized how he did that and he direct line did that over the telephone and he then successfully you know for a period of eight years led direct line and sold it and then set up other companies and I was really blessed I was in my mid-20s got a phone call would I be interested I was actually working for an American bank been working for an American bank for five years. I went to work for Peter and learned so much. So like you said earlier, I went on to work for some really big organizations then. Um, and Peter's gone on to, you know, have companies like Eshaw in the UK, some people might know about, Linear Direct in Spain, you know, some amazing American companies that still 20 years later are going. But I think working for an entrepreneur, he hired Neil Utley, who's a successful kind of millionaire in his own right now. Um, ways of working, I took to those big companies, Chris, you know, simplifying the way you do business, um, very much focused, Peter, so Peter's very much focused on his own health and well-being. always asked us to think about ours, always. Um, very much, if we talk about resilience, you know, it was always about breaking down problems into smaller chunks, you know, what lessons were we learning, um, staff engagement was always number one, I have to say. I think we always talked about staff engagement before we talked about the profit and loss accounts or, mm. you know, metrics always. And it was all about learning the lesson. He really helped me, you know, and to this day, you know, I spent three days with him over in America. And you just walk away and you'll always learn from great people like that. And I was very, very blessed to have, uh, you know, a big part of my working career working for him. Wow. And he, he was, uh, in the way you described him there, he was he was quite, in some ways, uh, you know, a little bit ahead of the t- time and ahead of the game, wasn't he, really? And in terms of really you know, uh, being concerned about things like, uh, you know, like engagement in those days. And I think it certainly showed with uh, the likes of Direct Line. I thought that was a fantastic business when he when he set it up. It's, it stood out in the sector and it... Uh, it surprises me was it still when you know some organizations and financial services still don't quite get engagement um no so uh yeah brilliant well so we've got just uh three minutes now till the commercial break and i just wonder if you could you know give us your perspective of you know what is new world engagement and you know why is engagement uh you know more challenging with all this this technology and the likes today well, I think the world is just really different now, Chris. You know, if, if even if we look in the last five years, um, the world, everyone talks about it being fast-paced, but it's full of disruption. 
Um, and how we engage people is really different. If I say to an employee now, so I'll do insight into how we can build a health and wellbeing program. And I'll say, how do you communicate with each other? And in the same breath, they'll go Yammer, Slack, WhatsApp and email. And you go, oh, OK. Um, so all the channels of how we engage people is really different. And ways of working are different. You know, I'll go into what was five years, a hustly bustly contact centre. Everyone was on the phones, talking to people over the telephone. Now it could be a silent centre because 98% of the traffic from customers is on email, you know, on Twitter. Um, so on a portal, you know, warehouses where I'd go in five years ago, we'd have lots of people banter. Now I'll go in and often many of them, you know, the guys and girls will have headsets on and it'll be quite a silent environment. Mm. So I think new world engagement um, says actually we've got to really acknowledge now people are working from home, we've got agile workers, we've got gig work, you know, different, different ways of working. And we've got to take a step back and think about how we engage people um, with meaningful, relevant information in sometimes really short messages. Um, we do it through health and wellbeing because it's a common denominator. You know, everyone wants to feel better in themselves. So we do it through health and well-being because it helps performance. Um, but gone are the days when you could put some posters up, you know, put something on an email and hope that would land because that just won't work in the current ways of working we've got now. We need to be more innovative um, to reach these brilliant people. Fantastic. Well, we've got to go to commercial break now. Um, after the break, we will you know, we'll extend this conversation and start to have a look at what, you know, what um, some of these uh, companies uh, that uh, Maria works with, you know, what are the, some of the things that they need to do in order to uh, adapt in this really chaotic new world. So if you're working in a, in a business of any size um, or scale, really, you know, these are important issues is what, what can we do to really in this world um, boost, boost engagement. So we're back again with you in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. 
comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Maria Burt. We're talking about new world engagement. And I just want to share one, one thing with you. If you, um, you know, if you want to um, gain a little bit more of some of, some of the takeouts I have on some of these shows and uh, you know, information that may be, may be sort of valuable to you, if you want to uh, you know, go to my website at chriscooper.co.uk, we're putting on posts there. Um, you'll also um, be able to you can join the business page on Facebook. Uh, you can join me on LinkedIn as well. Um, but if you if you send a connection request, and I get lots of these, if you also just let me know that you've uh, listened to the show and you want to want to connect, uh, then I'll, I'll connect, and then you'll have access to that that sort of flow of information. Or sign up for the the newsletter on the um, on the chriscooper.co.uk as well, and that's another way that we occasionally we don't bombard, we just occasionally send out the odd sort of uh, relevant um, uh, communication. So we're talking about new world engagement, and I know. From your sort of client base, Marie, and what you've you said to me, that you work with some really great clients and and got a lot of experience in this world. I'm kind of interested to know from your experience, you know, what companies need to consider in order to really adapt to this chaotic and, as you mentioned, sometimes quite silent uh, technical world, digital world. Well, I think if um, if you're looking at performance, which I think most business leaders are, whether you are you know, an owner-managed business or running a massive corporation. Ultimately, um, we all work in a really busy, chaotic, uncertain world. Um, And we've got to, if we're going to be successful through our people, the first thing we always say to all of our clients is to acknowledge that and get people talking about their, you know, the disruption that's coming into their working life, the uncertainty, where the volatility is coming from. Because ultimately what happens is um, if we don't talk about it, whatever's happening in the workplace is also happening in people's homes. So before we know it, we've got mental health issues and people not feeling well at work and we've got issues. So the challenge to customer to, you know, customers at leadership level is to one, ha- start having those conversations, but then how do we engage people in this new world like you say when you could be sat with a headset on for most of your day or you're working from home or you're um, in a very different environment for sat in front of your boss how do you do that so we get people to look at businesses from how do you make your business more resilient and then how do you once you've looked at this disruption get your employees more um, resilient and how we communicate through them it's different ways, Chris. So sometimes we will do things digitally and the whole aim of those digital comms or gamification, whatever it way it engages people is to direct them to start talking to each other, you know, the good old fashioned talking. Mm-hmm. So how can they build a social community, um, whether they're remote workers, whether they're drivers, to start building those social networks um, but we might have to do that through a digital connection. Um, so I've spent many time at two o'clock in the morning with night shift workers talking about the games that we've launched, um, but how they feel about it. And then actually laughing and joking and talking to others, you know, in a staff room 
about it to just build those communications with people. Um, so I think most companies now, they have to open up and talk about this disruption and volatility. And before you know it, things become very simple because people start um, just actually talking about those issues and ways of working to simplify this very uncertain world that we work in. Yes. Yes. So, so it's really, it's about, it's about dialogue, really. Absolutely. I think it's for dialogue. Yeah, we spend a lot of time being customer centric. So we put the customers mm -hmm. at the heart of everything we do. Um, and we always use the language being, you know, employee centric. So how do we make our employees at the heart of this? And we know it's very hard to get to people and talk to people face to face now. You know, it's probably, what, 30% of our workforce in some employers, we can do that. So how do we engage people and get them talking about things that are really relevant and meaningful to them? And we find collectively people want to talk about change. They want to talk about sleep. They want to talk about teenagers, you know, that they, <laughs> yeah. how they, you know, how do I cope with teenagers? They want to talk about how do I get myself energized? So there's some common things that people will talk about and support each other with. Um, and we're finding that by helping people be more resilient with the health and well-being, businesses is getting better for those businesses because they're becoming more resilient, more agile, more simple. Um, and these are large employers that we're very blessed to have as clients. Mm. Are you sure you shared for me when we we're planning for this interview that burnout is going to be labelled as a disease by 2020. And it's, it is an issue, isn't it, that you know, many people experience or, or you know, we all, most of us who are in business, we know people who've been through this, this kind of, kind of a journey. And I wonder what do employees need to do today to, to really consider or avoid or at least minimize burnout? I know it's frightening, isn't it? An international classified disease. Um, who would have thought it with all the, you know, amazing technology and the way business advanced that we're having burnt out people. So yeah, so the latest report says that um, about 25% of our workforce is burnt out. Um, so I think, what could you do about it? The first thing is to know what burnout is. So you recognize it in yourself and others, you know, so it's having little energy, you know, you're feeling isolated. Um, you usually don't want to, you, ha you just haven't got the energy to socialize with people, you know, engage with people. Um, and for businesses, you know, we have to spot it because it, people start making mistakes, they make poor decisions, it affects their home life. Um, and the World Health Organization is being very clear that this is linked to occupational work. You know, it's not to ways of life, it's not to lifestyle, it's linked to work. Um, so what can you do about it? Well, 26%, I think people um, Gallup recently uh, reported back, do work, 26% of work is done outside core hours. So, you know, a quarter of work is actually done, you know, outside the core hours. And that, you know, just means people are going to get tired and fatigued. We talk about engagement, you know, 28% um, of emails um, are done outside work time as well. Mm -hmm. So people are going home instead of spending time with their wives and kids and um, husbands, you know, partners. Um, we wake up on a morning now and used to sort of turn to one side and go, hello, darling. 
now we just turn pick up the phone and check you know what work has emailed us so I think the first thing to look at is um, the out of hours work what are you doing and what can you do in you know your core hours at work um, to stop so what what routine things have people got into habits of doing that aren't adding any value to your business yeah you know can you replace them with value-added work you know when you go home are you walking past, you know, the talented people who are still sat there or you see them at home responding to emails because they're brilliant people and um, they're either going to leave you or go off sick. Um, and if you're one of those people, it's going to be really hard because you'll be tired at the moment, you know, extremely tired. But can you start putting boundaries on yourself and saying, right, actually, I'm not going to work every night, you know, or every morning or give up all my weekends um so i think it's definitely the saying of you know give a busy person more work she'll always get it done just doesn't work in our day of you know ways of working chris we've got too much going on in our home lives um everyone's got busy home lives so it's definitely looking at ways of working and making people help them sleep better help them switch off from their working day um help them build social networks so when they're struggling they've got someone to talk to um some you know really basic but fundamental um tools and techniques you can teach people so they don't you know one day wake up and regret what they've spent the last 10 years doing you know we want people to thrive you and i how many people do we work with chris where they go i can't believe i ground myself into the ground you should you shouldn't work and regret it (laughs) No, no, I remember doing some work with one one director of a company who was about to retire and after we'd done this um this work he went into his boss up, up, a bit upset actually and said, you know, just just realise that uh, having done this work and this profiling and work with Chris, I could have done so much more with my career. Um so we ended up doing a bit of time with him to to, to plan his uh, his after career, um, so he could do some of those things. Um, but you're right, we, we we do. It seems seems to me that you know it, this is a combination of uh, probably two things. There's maybe some you know ed, some, well a few things, maybe some education around um, how to work you know smarter, not harder as an individual. Uh, there's also you know we'll talk a minute about physical health, but then there's there's also this aspect of actually we can just overload overload people and uh, we've got to be very careful. So think the organization thinking, I guess, how it designs systems and ways of doing things so such that uh, they're, they're not um, going, you know, uh, over, over, over what is, uh, is healthy um, and reasonable. Yeah. Mm. And I think ev- everyone knows that every single business across the world, you know, we work across the world, has to be resilient and lean and mean. You know, gone are the days when anyone can carry extra surplus of staff. We, you know, we'd all love to, but, you know, every client I've got, you know, we're all working um, to be as agile and as efficient as possible. But just putting the lens on it where we just go, any change, any ways of working, as well as thinking customer, let's think colleague. Yeah. And then from that, you know, you will actually have a different perspective, Um and we recently um, ran some exercises with teams where we brought them in, talked about the changes and said, look, this change is happening. Is there any other changes that would make your way of working better? But there's no budget and we've got to put it in within the next three months. And 85% of the changes the colleagues asked for to help their health and well-being didn't cost the business a penny, were implemented 
and their short-term absence dropped by just under 50%. So wow. people that literally within three, they felt more energized. So, and that actually has made it much easier for this organizer. And we're talking thousands of people here. We're not talking like 50. So the business case is there for people, uh, but it's just helping people be the best they can be. Yeah. Um, but you have to be innovative to engage them to do that. Yes. You can't do that by just putting a poster up. And I genuinely think it doesn't matter where you sit in the world or what role you have, Chris. Um, this isn't just head office environments. This is hospitals. You know, we work trains. We work in warehouses. We work with the best gaming company in the world. So I think um, having that employee-centric, be innovative with how you engage people to look after themselves will only help you as an individual, but the teams and businesses you support. Yeah, yeah. I guess also sort of looking at, you know, culture and ways of doing things. I was with a company this week and one of the directors was saying, just so frustrated that um, five, uh, that when he's, he's going to meetings and, and someone says, you know, could, you, could I have a conversation, a chat with you for five minutes? And, uh, and the meeting goes on for an hour. And, and I guess there's sort of two two situations there. There's kind of like a culture. I remember Mark, when I went for Mars, they were very you know, very good. We were, we we had a ten two culture. We were there ten minutes early. A meeting started. We finished on time. Um, but there's there's a, you know an aspect where there's a cultural thing where actually you have to set a a culture whereby you know people are very reasonable with with each other's time. And then there's also the I, I guess the the need to give feedback and say to people and be strong enough to do that and say, actually, you said five minutes. <laughs> we're, now, we're now going on to 30. This isn't acceptable. Um, so it's, it's, it's both development, isn't it, and maybe cultural shift? Absolutely. And I think it's this community. If you get everyone thinking about everybody, in, you know, we, we do sessions with 160 people in the groups of 150 people because we need to buy, build this community of thinking in, you know, employers. Because if everyone's open to those challenges, then you'll make your changes quicker. Mm. Um, so you're absolutely right. And, and I think it starts at the top with people being brave to go, do I really need to do an eight o'clock morning meeting every fortnight? Because that's what we've done for the last five years. You know, can I give that time back for people, you know, to take the kids to school, you know, yeah. for the change instead? Yes. <laughs> you know, that would mean so much more. Um, but we have to do it because it's quite in parts of Europe now, certainly it's easy to go and get another great job. Mm-hmm. So um, employees now, you know, are saying, unless you look after my health and well-being and care for me and talk to me about things that mean something to me in a meaningful way, then I'll go and find another employer who will. Um, So, you know, attrition and keeping great people, it's a big driver as a reason why we should have these conversations with our colleagues and support and help them and help them through change. One of of the things um, you you do with this this health and well-being, um, we just got a a couple of minutes now till commercial breaks. We can continue after the break if it's... uh, a long question is, you know, you you help um, people to maybe, you know, to perhaps look after themselves or be inspired to um, to you know, raise their health and uh, and their kind of fitness. So we've, we've kind of got more energy. And I wonder how you how you do that in terms of in, in inspiring people to do that, because it gives more kind of resilience um, without because um, it, it can be a sensitive topic, can't it? If, you know, weight and 
and those sorts of uh, sort of matters. Uh, you know, absolutely. I mean, um, and I think the weight and getting people to move is the the easy bit. If I'm honest, Chris, it's when you start talking about people in you know helping them with mental health problems making yeah. people have you know really great mental health so they've got brilliant energy at work and they've got brilliant energy at home so i think it's finding a way of saying to employees whichever engagement you use you know how much time do you give up a week on to look after just you you know how much time do you do that and some people will go i don't i've got children i'm a carer some people go oh, i go to the gym once you know literally once a day for an hour brilliant at it so it's finding their time and then just saying to people okay if you don't do that could you give 10 minutes a day to do something differently so don't give me time just in 10 minutes of your day can I show you a better way of doing what you're doing now and then people start listening yeah go, really you go absolutely this isn't you don't have to be like him goes to the gym every day for an hour you've got a different life and then finding out what motivates people um, and getting them then to sort of start talking to other people about what motivates them, what challenges they face. And once you've engaged people and you find out what motivates them, and you can do this, you know, sometimes we do it digitally. We, do, we believe massively into games. You know, people will always have fun and have a go at a game. Um but once people do that and start thinking about their own health and well-being, then they're more likely um, to engage in any programs that you might work. But it's just those three core questions. What could you swap and do differently? And can, will you give me permission to show you to do something differently? And we'll guarantee you'll get results because you will. Awesome. Well, we're going to go to another commercial break. And after the break, I want to uh, you know, see how I know you, uh, you, you help people to extend this these ideas are further into you know, areas like the supply chain and customers and et cetera. So spreading this, uh, this kind of message and way of doing things for greater resilience and results. So we're going to chat about that after the break. Um, do, uh, do join us after the break and we'll be back again in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one -one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Maria Burke. We're talking about new world engagement. And you know, after the, before the break, we were talking really about um, you know, putting putting people, putting employees um, at the heart of your business, being employee centric. And we talked about uh, you know, a bit about building resilience and uh, uh, helping people, inspiring them to to generate more well being, health, as well as um, looking at the way that they're doing things and the way the organisation's doing things to help do that as well. Um, but I know um, with some of your work as well, you kind of extend that. So you, you say to your customers, you know, let's, let's also think about the supply chain and think about your customers and how you extend this. Tell us a bit about, you know, about doing that and uh, how that all works. I just feel really passionate about it, Chris, because when we work with employees and we ask them, you know, what challenges your health and well-being – you know, there's lots of things that happen at home. There's the general busyness of, you know, family life and what's happening in your world. Um, and then there's two of the key, three components, I would say, in business. There's technology, when that doesn't work, that stresses people out. <laughs> um, customers, you know, um, in this day and age, um, customers are less forgiving because they've got more choice. So we, we have to make people be resilient and able to work with customers. And then they are, we all are, I am as a small business, we're dependent upon our suppliers. So we talk about actually how we can help suppliers make your business resilient because they interact with your employees often on an hour by hour and day basis. You know, whether they're coming to depots, whether they're delivering produce um, to retail stores, whether they indeed provide the technology, you know, that's causing the problems. So we always say, you know, to be stronger as a business and as a person than you were yesterday, we need to look at these kind of communities. And I, again, I keep saying it, I am so, so blessed. But, you know, um, a lot of my client bases are really big corporates. So it's fantastic. But what we get them to do is share what they're doing and funding for their employees and colleagues with their supplier base. Because actually, if we can get everybody being the best they can be, healthy, resilient, for the two sets of businesses, it really helps. Um, So next week, for instance, I'm presenting to 900 suppliers of one of my largest clients. So we've got 65,000 employees and colleagues, you know, on a three-year program to be the best they can be. And we're going to talk about resilience and the chaos of this world and the uncertainty and ways of working with 900 suppliers. So from a personal perspective, if you can think the, the power that has to get a huge community. So we're now probably talking over 100,000 people talking about this topic. And, it, you know, it's sometimes I've been, worked with one employer since 2012 and now we share programs with that. They've got a lot of smaller um, SMEs who are their, you know, supplier base. We send the campaigns to them. But, you know, what is better for that employer and organisation to look down and go, I look after my own employees. I'm brilliant and resilient. They are unsuccessful. And guess what? My supplier base, who are key enablers, are getting the benefits as well. Um, and we're very fortunate, I think, in the world now 
wherever you are in the UK, there's lots of even public health campaigns that we can just make sure people are aware of, um, you know, so it's not necessarily spending loads of budget. Some organisations don't have that. But it's just building communities of support. And it's this new world of engagement. You know, employers or large organisations can't just sit in these ivory towers now. The more they can support the communities they they you know work within, what we're seeing and they're seeing is it makes their build their businesses fitter and stronger, yes. and they can survive then. Um, and it, you know it's just a joy to be involved in. You know it, it's brilliant to see how it maybe was 15 years ago when I left the corporate world where it was you know dog eat dog and <laughs> um, you know I think those days are thank goodness slowly going and, and everyone's more collaborative now and helping each other. I think I, I, about probably 15 years ago, um, I, I worked as well as working in Mars. Um, uh, we, I was, I, I joined from from sales and marketing. I went into the procurement function, and the function was called supplier development, and it was different to any other procurement functions that I I, I moved on through my career and ran large large European teams and things uh, doing this. In that, the the attitude was very much about developing the relationship with the supplier. It was about. It wasn't about um, you know ripping as much cost out of the, the supply base. It was uh, one built on respect, and uh, it was amazing you know how people so wanted to work with Mars because of that and uh, and have a relationship with Mars because they they track their suppliers well. They didn't look down on them. They um, they saw them as uh, as partners in most instances. Mm. And, you know that was an attitude I t- I took with me uh, very much one of the learnings that I had about uh, in the value of building relationships with suppliers and uh, and uh, not seeing them as subservient but seeing them as an important part of your business if they su- they're successful you're successful and if you learn together um, it's amazing what they will give to uh, to help you succeed so um, I really get that I really get that yeah and I think once you get suppliers having a dialogue you know I've seen it um for the last five years and you, you know you just see you know two people from very different businesses talking about their challenges how they deal with it how they're personally resilient you know what they've tried um how it's impacted their family life and then it's easier then to do business isn't it yes because <laughs> you know <laughs> how much what a better conversation you know because you get closer to people like you say um but it's a win-win i, I have yet to see it, it not work for people. Um, and I would advocate everyone, no matter what organisation size you are, to just think about it in your plans. Yeah, yeah, couldn't, couldn't agree more. Now, I, I loved when we, when we chatted, when we were planning this interview, I loved that you, you had some different attitudes, I thought, in terms of the way that you run your business. You, you know, you have a you know, different perspective to, you know, clinging on to staff and... Um, and it just felt like your organisation really kind of flows, which I think is very, very, very important. So I just wonder if you might, you might just, just share some of the different perspectives that you know you found have really worked in, in the fifteen years that you've been running your business, because clearly you've uh, you've scaled that now to something which is adding global value. Yeah, I think I've, I came from large organisations, um, which were incredibly brilliant employee I had the best times um, with every organization I work with and I think when I set up my own business um, I kind of went into it thinking I want my business to be quite transient be totally open that people will come and learn from me and my other colleagues and move on you know and that 
that is how I will set my business up and that when I meet people, I have the liberty, which I know a lot of people don't, where I can just say to them, how, how do you want to work? You know, what's your strengths and how do you want to work? So I have some people who work for, you know, massive organizations who, because of the family lives, don't want a permanent job. They just want to work on freelance basis. I have some people who want to work set hours. So I very much, very much from day dot set off on that agile way of working, um, brought in, you know, people and put them on a two-year graduate program um, to work in a small business. But the absolute expectation that I want them to go on to another organization and what's really interesting now is 15 years later, a lot of those people are now coming back to me, mm-hmm. uh, which is brilliant. Yeah, they've all gone and tasted and done what I did, where I went to work for entrepreneurs. I went for amazing big companies. I had international jobs. And again, I, I just think in this agile, volatile world, if we can, and it, we can't always, but it's easier to run a business where people kind of do the work around what works for them rather than the opposite way around so I'm very blessed that I you know grow and grow ebb and flow as we say with different types of people from different backgrounds um, and and that really works so let's get healthy you know and touch wood it works for all my clients as well because we get a very diverse workforce but really highly talented and passionate um, and I think that's what most employers strive for these days. Mm, great, and you, you've uh, you do have some really really diverse clients as well. You were you were telling me you were a bit doing a bit of work with with in, with zoos and those sorts of things. So it must be great when you're working with clients that maybe you've got a passion for animals and things like that that you can you can get involved with these um, you know these different sectors and areas of interest. Oh, absolutely, and, and I think. You know, one day I'm at a zoo, the next day I'm at a retailer, then I'm at a railway station speaking to train drivers. (laughs) But, you know, the core essence of all these amazing, loyal clients I've got is that they want to perform better through their people. And they understand that if you have healthy, energized, resilient people who feel engaged and cared for, it's easier, it's a better working environment for everyone and you get results. Um, So it doesn't matter whether you are a vet at a zoo or someone on the night shift working for the NHS in the UK um, or someone in Hong Kong, you know, is a lawyer in one of our kind of law firms that we work with. Um, It's that same principle. And how do you, I mean, interesting, how do you, you know, work with your clients if, for example, they are based in Hong Kong and you're based in, in the North Yorkshire uh, how, how does how does that work? Well, I think it's it's great because the, the, you, you you kind of maximise the use of technology. Obviously, you know we all um, use technology, but the type of work we do, you know, and you do, Chris, is about improving performance. So, upskilling champions, ambassadors, forming communities. You do that whether it's in Hong Kong or Huddersfield in the UK. Yeah. Um, but what you do is empower people to communicate and um, land or kind of apply it in their country, their region, in a way that works for them. Because it's this acknowledgement that everyone has a different working life and has a different home life in various parts of the world, various parts of the UK. So it's, it's allowing them to 
take those messages back to their community and apply it. Um, so it doesn't matter to us whether you're in Barnsley or Bangkok. Um, is is the same principle for us. Um, we empower people through brilliant comms and campaigns to be the best they can be. Awesome. Well, I absolutely love talking to you, and I think you're real. You know, you're real ambassadors for this. I really get you know your your energy and you know where you know your mental health and physically where you, where you're you're at and your your buoyancy and and I can imagine that you you're adding enormous value out there to all these people they wouldn't wouldn't employ you um but I really I've enjoyed listening to your perspective on all of this and I just I just wonder if you've got a maybe a final message that you'd like to leave us with um do you know what? every person across the globe deserves to be the best person you know to be their best self um and I think just start today and give yourself 10 minutes to be that best person. And before you know it, you'll be healthier, fittier, happier. And I always talk about joy and you'll be a joy to be with you and yourself and with others. Yeah. Uh, I, remember, I remember watching a movie. I've forgotten the title of it now. And uh, I, I, for me, I, this, this best self concept is just so, so important. And uh, one that, that I think about very, very regularly. But uh, I was watching a particular movie and there was, sort of, it was, uh, there was a line in there about being your best self. But when you find your best self, make sure you keep it, you keep hold yeah. of it. <laughs> and keep on keep on replicating it and keep on keep on living it so uh, i sense that you're really being that so uh, yeah, i want to give you say a huge thank you for being on today been great uh, i've enjoyed it thank you very much for giving me the time to even chat to you I'm honored thank you chris thank you so mine so for more information um about uh, maria burke and um her, her business go to letsgethealthy.co.uk that's let's get healthy uk. you can contact uh, Maria Burke directly if you want to it's uh, Maria and Burke is B-O-U-R-K-E so that's Maria Burke at letsgethealthy.co.uk uh, and um, also myself at chris at chriscooper.co.uk I always always appreciate um, every email that uh, comes through with people giving you know comments uh, feedback on on shows and any of those that come back and it refers to Maria, I'll forward that on and it means a lot. So, you know, I really appreciate those people who take the time to do that. Uh, so a big thank you. And on next week's show, we have another amazing guest. We have Raj Sisodia. Now, Raj is um, is the co-author of Conscious Capitalism that you may know. It's a buzzword that's used all over the globe. Uh, an incredible man. And we're going to discuss his new book with Michael Gell, The Healing Organization. Um, I, I Believe me, this will be another incredible conversation. He's a, he's a fascinating, fascinating man. And this concept of actually being able to heal yourself, um, I think he's very much links into be your best self within the organization is um is a very valuable um discussion point so um do join us again next week um look forward to hearing you all if you've got more you if you've got any questions or comments do come to us and once again a huge thank you to maria burke from let's get healthy we thank you for listening to the chris cooper business elevation show Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. 